Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. So today, I I have to tell you, those of you that are listening in live uh, and those of you who will listen later at the podcast, that I've already started a great conversation um, with today's guest. Today's guest um, is a uh, professor and director of the Stanford University Forgiveness Project. And actually, it's a series of projects. He's going to talk to us about those. Um, But he's also the department chair in clinical psychology at Sophia University. And he teaches classes at Stanford, however, in uh, positive psychology, the art and science of meditation, forgiveness, wellness, and, and, and. And so we already started out, um, uh, and I just am delighted to introduce uh, you to uh, Dr. Fred Luskin. Uh, welcome, Fred. Hey, thank you so much. I enjoyed our our initial interlude of conversation. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so, um, you know, I always like to uh, to introduce myself uh, to my guests right before we go live. And so we spend just a couple minutes, and I, I, it, it was going so great. I said, wait, 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 this is this is this would be great for uh, for the show. Um, and so. Fred, tell us a little bit about yourself, and you had started to tell me about how you ended up um, out west, actually coming from New York City yourself. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up at Stanford and some of the work you do. I mean, I was born in the Bronx, um, and, um, you know, generations of people from New York, um, I wanted nicer weather, so... I, um, an old girlfriend and my current girlfriend and I, we um, we headed out west like a lot of people of my generation in the 70s mm-hmm. and ended up in a beach town about a little over an hour south of San Francisco and mm-hmm. hunted around for something, something to do. And one of the, the ex-girlfriends, she was believing and out working in a bagel store. I mean, this was mm-hmm. young. And, mm-hmm. and she said, if they can make if they can make bagels, we can figure out something else. So we started yeah. a small yeah. natural foods restaurant and um, ran that for a while. And literally until my then wife at the time, who became, um, got pregnant. And mm-hmm. I had to grow up and get a real job. And um, <laughs> led me to sta- led me to Stanford and a PhD and. Um, I've continued to work at Stanford ever since. Wow, wow, that's awesome! And so, um, <laughs> you, so you you ended up doing psychology, um, and very successful, obviously. And and um, and so, the the area that um, you are in is positive psychology. I do a lot of work um, where that comes out of that field, things like Strengths Finder and 
and um, other instruments that uh, help leaders and individuals understand who they are um, as well. And I have to tell you, you know, my, my, my introduction to you and your work is, actually came out of um, looking and reading your book, uh, Forgive for Good. And, and you know, I, you probably are the, the best person to ask about this quote that I've heard thousands of times at this point, I'm sure, um, that, and I've heard it on television, and it's been assigned to everyone from uh, Buddha to Nelson Mandela, and it, ha- it is that uh, holding a grudge is like taking poison and waiting on the other person to die, and I'm sure you've heard that. And so I don't know who said it, but I know a lot, a lot that sentiment is at the center of a lot of the work, the research and work that you've been doing. So I'd love to hear more about um, what you describe as uh, a proven prescription for health and happiness. Um, So tell me a little bit about that. I think that quote was um, derived from Nelson Mandela. Hmm. Um, It is a central like philosophical underpinning of of why forgiveness is important that in our minds create enemies and then we try to slay those enemies or vanquish them or whatever or um, stop them mm-hmm. and that process of creating an enemy and wanting to vanquish it is incredibly debilitating to the physical body it's mm. just, you know, again, it's like putting Drano, you know, into your mm-hmm. system. It just blows mm-hmm. it out. And it makes a lot of sense short term. So if somebody does something to you that's not good, you want to get aroused and upset and picture them as an enemy because you may have to actually do something. The corrosive mm-hmm. aspect is when that becomes a habit and and you have somebody in your life that is an enemy ongoing or part of your past you see as an enemy ongoing. You're just unleashing stress chemicals and creating patterns of thinking and creating a narrative around your life that's incredibly debilitative to your mental mm-hmm. and physical well-being. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. my unpacking of Nelson Mandela's statement. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, you mentioned a couple things here. Uh, one is that you're your physical being and your mental, um, and I'm going to say mental slash emotional. Let's start with the physical. Um, what does what does the research and the work that you you've been doing around that? What does it say about how it and and how and why it impacts you physically? I mean, it's, you know, maybe the best metaphor is like driving with the brake on. Um, we can't announce our helplessness to ourselves over and over without it having consequences. And unforgiveness is a sign of our helplessness. Like, Mm -hmm. I couldn't handle this. I never figured out how to make peace. I, Mm. I couldn't master this peace in my life. And so I constantly have to grind my wheels. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that releases, you know, cortisol and adrenaline, but it does more than that. It 
dysregulates the immune system and it mm-hmm. it causes all sorts of like biochemical start and stops mm-hmm. um, with any ongoing stressor any and I mean, okay. this is separate from just forgiveness but any ongoing stressor the the weakest organ in the body becomes susceptible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well I know so we had some people, Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say, say that. Yeah, I think we have a little bit of a delay, so we got to manage that. But what I was just about to say was just that you know I've had uh, other people on who have talked about um, how stress and stress hormones impact the uh, renal system, exactly. and you know, the, and so that that causes exactly. a lot of problems as well. And so that's why we see people that are stressed have a physical ailment uh, as well. And if you draw down what stress is, it's some kind of either complaint about our life or wanting our life to be different than it is. Those are the two pieces that create and make separate biological danger. Those are the, those are the mental components of what stress is. Mm-hmm. And so forgiveness, the other great quote, you mentioned one of them by Nelson Mandela, but the other one is um, for, forgiveness is giving up all hope for a better past. Mm. And, mm. and that's the other like magical quote about it, which is when we're arguing with something that has already happened, um, we are constantly stressing our system. Well, you know, um, the as I mentioned at the beginning, your book "Forgive for Good." um, For those of you who may just have joined a bit late, um, we have uh, Dr. Fred Luskin, who is um, author and director of the um, forgiveness projects at Stanford University. Um, wrote a book, and I, I was completely unaware of it until recently, um, but apparently it's, uh, it, it was published uh, some time ago, um, the revised edition in 2010, but I think there was an edition earlier in 2007, but, um, but I absolutely recommend it to those of you who are listening, um, and the subtitle is A Proven Prescription for Health and Happiness. And not to give it all away, but there are some, un, like just very early on, um, also what I like is the fact that, Fred, that you, you, you talk about what forgiveness is and what it is not. And one place that I'd love to have you expand on, because I think there's sometimes people um, assume that it is this, is that, that it, it, what you say is uh, forgiveness uh, is not excusing poor behavior or condoning unkindness. No. Um, and so that's not what it is. It is it's actually not that. So I'd love to have you expand on that. You know, there were a few years back there where I thought that probably 80% of what I'm doing is just correcting people's misperceptions about forgiveness. Mm that they, they would come into classes, workshops, all sorts of things, and thinking, well, if I forgive, I'm letting somebody off the hook, or if I forgive, 
have to go back into relationship with them, or if I forgive, it means I'm forgetting what they did. And and we found that a good piece of what we ended up doing was letting them know really clearly what forgiveness is and isn't. And most of the time, they were fighting something that didn't actually exist. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the big the biggest misperceptions are that forgiveness and reconciliation are the same. And you can forgive somebody and choose never to see them again. And you can spend every day with them and still hate them. So, it, mm-hmm. you know, those are not aligned. And you can forgive fully and still participate in some quest for justice. You'll just do so without contempt. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. Those are significant distinctions that people were were unaware of. And the last thing that we would just tell people is that you really can't do anything about the past at all. So the only thing you're doing is changing your perception of the present. And that was another one of those helpful things. Oh, okay, so I can't change mom but at least I can think differently about my experience now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. So um, I, I mentioned um, that I read that you, you are directing the forgiveness project. What are those exactly? Are you, are you asking people questions about how they forgive, <laughs> if they forgive? What, what is that exactly? <laughs> Yeah, we go into supermarkets and yeah, and, and and wait and wait for people. Um, we have a, a forgiveness methodology that's um, pretty well proven that you would read about in Forgive for Good. We've done research projects, um, you know, to show that it has impact on psychosocial and physical well-being, and we've also done some demonstration projects in different countries to show the value of teaching people in those countries' cultures to forgive. So last last couple of years, we've made a couple trips to Colombia in South America mm-hmm. and helped, helped create a museum exhibit on forgiveness, um, helped create, made a, a video um, presentation that was made into segments and put into Spanish and that was offered free to their to their country um, mm-hmm. we've gotten we've gone to Sierra Leone and, and taught um, uh, teachers how to teach forgiveness to their children so mm-hmm. you know the teach children they're working with I'd say that's my biggest interest now is um, just trying to do outreach and and helping people at least be willing to put forgiveness on their menu of choices as to how to deal with life's hurts and disappointments. Mm-hmm. And and so are you are you collecting data on um, how people feel? Um, and if so, what are they saying? Um, is this Is some of this, uh, you know, documented, you know, research that you have that has already been published, but what are are people saying about how they feel? 
I mean, I'm, I, w- I was in the past more interested in data. Mm-hmm. The, the data that I got was so that I would know that when I was out teaching, I wasn't harming people or misleading them. So mm-hmm. I, I literally remember a moment when our project was beginning, and I gave a t- I was giving a talk at, at Stanford's medical school, and um, the, our biggest project to date was just being evaluated by a statistician. And I'm standing up there talking, and you know, there's probably 500 people in an auditorium, and I'm, I'm saying all this about how valuable forgiveness is, but I don't have that much data. And there's a little piece of my mind thinking, you know, well, Fred, you could go back to your wherever, and your statistician mm-hmm. any day now is going to tell mm-hmm. you whether the big project worked or didn't. Mm-hmm. And if it didn't work, like you'd have to call up the the, the, TV, the Stanford's TV network and say, put a little never mind on the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> the data didn't work. Um, thankfully, yeah. it did work. The, sure. the biggest thing that forgiveness does it creates a kind of efficacy mm. that it allows us to resolve our suffering in a way that doesn't cause more suffering. Mm. And so we then feel more confident that we can handle suffering in our future and we feel more capable of our own self-regulation so that, again, we don't have to be as frightened of things and we don't have to stress out our system with all our anger and our hostility but Mm -hmm. it's that efficacy piece that's the heart of the benefit that forgiveness brings Mm -hmm. and so by efficacy you're talking about the extent to which people can get things done in their lives kind kind of unhindered by um even fear of someone hurting them again or 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 otherwise but um is that is that accurate that what you're you're talking about us moving forward yeah. and being able to to do what we want to do think of um like it's a caricature but think of somebody who has a very bad first marriage say Mm-hmm. And they're going to be very chary about that second marriage, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, and there's a, a good line over that: second marriage is the um, the advantage of hope over experience. Um, but if you forgive the partner, and you forgive yourself for whatever mistakes you make, you're more likely to be open to the next partner and not mm-hmm. quite as frightened or even prejudicial because you haven't resolved past wounds. That's Mm -hmm. a simple, recognizable, tangible way of showing, like, the value of releasing bitterness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you you confirmed that it was Nelson Mandela um, who, who that quote should be attributed to, and, um, you know, I've heard and... Certainly, some, with some of the work that I've done in South Africa, uh, that mm-hmm. you know, m- m- heard people say things like, 
you know, Nelson Mandela was the personification of forgiveness. You know, after all that he went through came out, um, really talking about the importance of forgiving and moving on. But I'm also reminded of kind of the human side to this because, you know, Nelson Mandela was, was almost larger than life when it comes to that topic of forgiveness. And that was, that was the kind of living example we had about what, at least how we should aspire uh, to forgive and and but I'm also reminded going back to the human side, um, a book that happened to also be uh, one from an author in South Africa many years ago, "Cry the Beloved Country." Uh, there was one uh-huh. quote from that book that really struck me, and I probably will will butcher it, but essentially what what one of the characters um, talked about was all the things and injustices that were happening at the time. And essentially he said of the, the blacks related to the whites is that I hope that when they have gone to loving that we will not have gone to hating. And, and it just, that really struck me because from a human perspective is that there are, there are limits to what, based on who we are as individuals, what we can accomplish psychologically, emotionally, um, without a lot of work, you know, you know, in, in a certain amount of time, in our lifetimes. And so what do you see as the, the way we do this work if we have not historically been good at forgiveness, and some of us better than others for good reason, but if we have not been good at forgiveness how do we how do we start that? How do we start building ourselves to be more forgiving beings? I think the the best way to start is by offering forgiveness to the people you're still in relationship with and care for. Mm-hmm. So if you have a a brother who does something wrong. Um, that's where you start the practice of forgiveness because there's a deep kindness. Or if you're married or have a life partner, um, making forgiveness a part of that relationship will improve the relationship. Um, It's really good to look back upon your parenting the way you were parented and practice forgiveness there because all of those instances are people who have already done great good for you. And so it's not the the horror of somebody like Nelson Mandela, you know, forgiving after 20-plus years in jail, some of it in solitary with unbelievable abuse. Um, But like any other psychological or human quality, the more you practice it, the easier it gets to do. So um, the more you practice, you know, your partner forgets to take out the garbage. And instead of screaming at them, you you know, you practice, okay, well, they did X, but they didn't do Y. So I'll forgive Y, so maybe I'll talk to them in a kind voice. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'll remember when I forgot to do X and realize how much they've forgiven me so that the, the idea of forgiveness starts to percolate in your head. Mm-hmm. Um with bigger things or 
more external things, you start forgiveness with practice inside. So you, you like rehearse and you visualize it and you try out different languages. So inside of you, you say, well, that what they did was awful. And then you say that 50 times because that's how you feel. And then you recognize that that ain't making you happy. So mm-hmm. maybe you say what they what they did is awful, but maybe they were having a bad day. And you know you. But what what I'm getting at is forgiveness, like any pro-social quality, is one that our brain, you know, needs practice in mm-hmm. before it's available mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's the. Uh, also, with um, with forgiveness, there's a, a neuroplasticity aspect to this as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the other thing that we can do is like we can choose some of the reading material we do, some of the TV shows we watch, some of the movies. Mm-hmm where we can look for human goodness. So what you said about Nelson Mandela, um, that's a wonderful thing to watch a film about him or read a book about Mm -hmm. him or Mm -hmm. in any way that we bring in great human beings to our life, it serves as models for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I had... um, uh, a listener um, in advance of this wrote, um, and I, I know that there are a lot of people that have written in over the last 24 hours to ask questions. Mm. Um, and okay. and I had a, a listener write in to say, do you mind asking Dr. Luskin uh, this? Um, how can a person forgive themselves for their past? Or is it possible for someone to forgive others but not themselves? The second answer is yes. Um, people are wired differently. Some people are very good at forgiving themselves and terrible about forgiving others. And some people are very good at the, the opposite. You know, So one doesn't always predict the second. There, we all know kind of narcissistically people who forgive themselves for everything. But don't, but don't forgive anybody else for anything. And we know really nice people who are really hard on themselves, like, mm-hmm. but they're kind to others. So that is, there's a, I, it, I, that probably has something to do with upbringing and the kind of narratives that people um, said to themselves. The second issue about forgiving oneself for one's failures or omissions or anything the key piece is not not how do you feel about yourself. That's one of those mistakes. It's what have you done with your realization that you may have caused harm? Like that's the important question. So mm-hmm. did you make amends? You know, like the 12-step program. Did you make amends for the harm you did? Did you apologize? Did you learn about how to become a better person? Did you go to therapy? Did you go to school? Did you ask people about your flaws? Whatever. Those are the important aspects of self-forgiveness. And 
when you have like done some truth telling about yourself, like, and it includes, I screwed up. I'm really sorry. How can I make this right? And I do have a really bad habit. I am sarcastic. I'm drunk. Whatever it is, I'm going to try to change. That's at the heart of self-forgiveness, not mm-hmm. not necessarily the change, the change in affect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. And then one final uh, question that was sent in, and um, my apologies in advance to everyone that wrote uh, questions. Um, I can't get to all of them, um, but uh, one other um, listener wrote, um, here's my question. What is the relationship between forgiveness and personal wellness? Say that again. Forgiveness what, and what is and and personal wellness? You know there there is a conception that well there's a there's a study in the positive psych world where they I think they have shown that until you have compassion or good heartedness towards other people you don't see them clearly because mm-hmm. we are so threat centered you know we mm-hmm. we're so alert to danger that we misperceive things coming in so that's mm-hmm. one so you need like open heartedness compassion to not prejudice things for the negative. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness mm-hmm. serves in a similar way. It's like you want to have memories of your own life that are positive. And when you don't forgive, you hold on to both the negativity event and your ineptness at dealing with it. So at a minimum, you gain something when you can let go of a grievance you can at least look back at your past and say, I was victorious, I overcame, I, I handled things. And that gives us resilience. The more we can affirm past successes, the more resilience we can bring in. And I'm going to suggest that resilience, that, that faith in ourselves, has something to do with wellness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And um, again, I want to strongly recommend for any of you, whether you you have um, problems forgiving or not, the the book that I that I mentioned earlier, uh, "Forgive for Good," to me had went far beyond just forgiveness because there were structures and things that you you talked about that I just think make for managing relationships. Um, uh, important um, because it's not a lot of times, at least for me, I think about forgiveness as a big construct that it's really, it's for big things, big, you know, like important um, things. And forgiveness is also for people, you know, you know, and, and actually what I walked away realizing is that it's not necessarily just a a practice that is for people you are in relationship with, but that it is the, it is the letting go of the person that cuts you off at the traffic light, right? It's like, that's also a part of 
not holding on to uh, things that, that really ruin your day because of the way it started out with, with that happening. And so um, there were a lot of things that you talked about in there that really helped frame just how you go about um, your, your ordinary day and relation to uh, the world. Um, and so that, to me, like I said, it just wasn't – it helped me understand that forgiveness is not just this big thing um, that, and that you, you do um, because you are you – have, you have a great deal of patience and, and, you know, there's a kind of a divine intervention on you to forgive others. You know, it's, it's what I see – the way you talk about this is forgiveness as an everyday practice. Um, and that, yeah, that exactly yeah, right. That's yeah, it. And that, yeah. And that translates into wellness and happiness and healthiness. Um, I, and so, like I said, I strongly recommend uh, forgive for good to all of you that are listening in many of you who are, uh, aspiring leaders, many of you are leaders. Uh, I think it would be a great uh, uh, book to add to your uh, to your library. And so, Fred, I know we're already a little bit over and out of time. Um, I want to respect your time. Um, tell us a little bit about just how people who are listening in would be able to find you on social media, the work you're doing, um, any other book actually that you might have that you would <laughs> recommend um please um share that uh you know social media handles email addresses whatever you have you'd like to share please please uh, share that i i'm not on social media at all it, it <laughs> is not it is not an interest of mine um it, you could look me up on google Google me, there's probably a hundred or more videos of me teaching forgiveness there from all sorts of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, my email address is, is simple. Anybody who wants to email me, it's just fredl at stanford.edu. Um, and I've written another book on forgiveness called Forgive for Love about mm-hmm. forgiveness in intimate partnership. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you. Well, Fred, you have certainly added to me both with your your book and um, just having this conversation with me, and I'm sure those uh, people listening in would agree. And so um, I, I have some colleagues out at Stanford and uh, in the area, Berkeley and other places. Um, certainly will look you up when I get out that way. Um, but um, thank you again. And um, and just wishing you great success, continuing with your work and your research and the, the work you're doing, um, valuable work with uh, communities all over the world. And so until we meet, go well, stay well. Thank you.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.